TED Audio Collective. This is ZigZag, a podcast about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women's lives. I'm Anoush Samarodi. And people are divided. No, I'm not talking about politics for once. I am talking about Inbox Zero. If you haven't heard of it, Inbox Zero is the act of deleting, responding to, or delegating every email as it arrives, leaving you with a beautifully empty inbox and, I would assume, a smug sense of satisfaction. According to Adobe Research, over half of all employees achieve it. That came as a surprise to me, because the other half, which includes me, described the mere notion of Inbox Zero as, quote, amazing, impossible, or borderline OCD. Seriously, those were the words that were used in this research report. Because those of us who have never seen Inbox Zero, we live in a place where a never-ending pile of unanswered correspondence slowly builds up, like layer after layer of tartar on a tooth, building and building until it becomes a hockey puck of plaque. Or in this case, guilt. But here's the hard truth. Despite the pit in my stomach when I think of all the email I should just answer already, I'm actually really grateful for email. It remains the best way to get information that we actually want from people whom we mostly know and trust. On this episode and in this season of giving thanks for what is good in the world, we go swimming in our email inbox we answer a couple of your questions, your comments, critiques, and heartfelt stories. And we take a moment to think about the service that email still provides in an often overly connected world. It's season two, episode seven. Here's my brilliant financial plan, right? Which logically I know is ridiculous, but emotionally, that's how I feel. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Hey, if you are new to ZigZag, welcome. I haven't said that in a while. And I gotta say, I am hoping a lot of you are new because I have been traveling a ton. Silicon Valley, New Hampshire, Austin. I've been speaking to lots of people about my book, our digital habits, how tech is changing society, and what we are doing here on the show. Little recap here, as requested by some listeners. Season one of ZigZag told the story of me and my co-founder, Jen Poyant, deciding to leave public radio to start our own little media company and to join a blockchain startup for journalism called Civil. Just give me three words. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, are you you psyched? I'm so psyched. Yep, that 12-episode season was pretty personal. It also explained a lot about blockchain and female entrepreneurship more broadly. So do go back and listen if you haven't already. Here's a listener named Bree and her assessment of it. Blockchain, Bitcoin, not really my thing. 
didn't hear about it until your podcast, but it has really caught my attention and I'm just obsessed. And I love what you guys are doing in season two. Thanks, Bree. Yeah, here on season two, which will also be 12 episodes, by the way, we are focusing on trust and information in all its various forms. So we've talked about how misinformation and social movements spread on social networks. You don't just make a map of fake news from nowhere. You have to figure out what are the entry points. About censorship and the Me Too movement. So as soon as she posted the open letter, it was immediately scrubbed about the importance of libraries and other public spaces. Post office, that's a that's the great leveler, and you don't have to be assumed to be a liberal or conservative. And why that blockchain startup we joined, Civil, failed to get its message across to enough people to make its token sale a success. I would like to give us high marks for being clear about our mission. We have not been clear whatsoever on how to execute some of the aspects of our product vision. Because, you know, all in all, it feels like we are at a big moment. The idealistic belief that tech is always a force for good is sadly dying. And the repercussions of companies prioritizing shareholders over citizens have come home to roost for all of us. I heard somebody say the other day that instead of move fast and break things, the new motto for tech should be proceed cautiously and fix things. I mean, did you read that New York Times expose on Facebook's political tactics? We'll link to that in the show notes if you didn't. But there is one tech tool out there that I would argue is fine. Just the way it is. It's email. With so many ways to connect one-on-one, Facebook Messenger, Slack, texting... It's kind of telling that we all keep coming back to good old email. In fact, according to a report by the Radicati Group, 3.7 billion people send 269 billion emails every day. No one company controls or owns the technology that makes email possible, and pretty much everyone is on it. Sure, there is still spam, and maybe your mother-in-law tends to oversend, But generally, email remains the quietest, calmest way to be in touch online. And definitely, dear listeners, it is the best way that we have found to be in touch with you. Hey, ladies, Manoush and Jen. It's Mike from Massachusetts, and I got a question. I'm driving home, so I apologize if you hear car noises. I just, I'm feeling so many things I pulled off of the road. You actually used one of my recordings on your podcast this last time, and that was really weird. Man, I love your voice memos, your notes, your long letters, all of it. You drive us with your suggestions, your encouragement, your stories. When we left WNYC to start this show, I was just so grateful that you came here with us, that you found us. And so I made a silent vow to personally answer each and every email we got. Because I know that it takes real effort to remember our darn email address, zigzag at stableg.com and then to sit your butt down and actually write. Since we've started the show, we have received 1,277 emails. And if you have emailed us, for real or even just in your mind, I want you to know that I really appreciate it. But here's the thing. I've had to break my vow. 
I can't keep up. I am way behind in responding. Maybe you know that already because you haven't heard back from me. Um, And here's why. It's not just that I don't have the time. It's because reading your emails is an emotional roller coaster. The stuff that you tell us alternates between heartbreaking and heartwarming. Some of your suggestions, they are so helpful. There are a few, not going to lie, that are kind of hard to hear, too. There's a lot of feels when I go into the inbox. I read everything there. But responding, as Jen often reminds me, I am not a machine, and I refuse to use Google's new auto-respond suggestion thingy. But here's what I can do. I'm going to share two of my recent favorites from the ZigZag inbox. From you, with you. Because there is so much that we can learn from each other. It's coming up right after a quick break. Dear Mnuchin Jen, this song's for zigzag. Yes, email can make us neurotic, but it really can deliver joy, too. I consider you my friend, so I thought I'd try this gag. Brad, your song is amazing. It's super weird. Thank you. In addition, I have chosen to share two other voice memos that I think bring up some really interesting perspectives and honestly make me feel very reflective about two main topics here on this show, new kinds of tech that are more equitable and entrepreneurship. So the first is a story from a listener about wanting to be part of big ideas in her own small way. stable geniuses. My name is Michelle, and I live in Austin, Texas. Michelle recently started a small business with a partner, and she really loves tacos. Trust me, this is relevant. Here's my brilliant financial plan, right? Uh, Every pay period, I set aside $10, and I use that $10 for tacos. Tacos are Michelle's special reward to herself. So the Tuesday after payday, I spent $5 on tacos for my favorite taco truck. And then the Thursday before payday, I spent the other $5 on tacos at my favorite taco truck. Recently, Michelle got bit by the blockchain and crypto bug. And she decided she wanted to invest in one particular project that she'd heard about. So then I thought to myself, how about I just don't have tacos one pay period? And like, that's the sacrifice that I'm willing to make to participate in this very exciting experiment and to dip my toe in this community and this technology that I want to be a part of. This project that Michelle felt strongly about is called Solar Exchange. Now, to be clear, we here at ZigZag cannot vouch for Solar Exchange, but Michelle really liked the idea of being a part of it, even if it meant no tacos for a bit. Not only were they using blockchain, but each token through solar exchange represents a solar cell that gathers solar energy. And so the idea is that they generate electricity, which is then sold to places like schools in Africa and underserved places that need electricity. And so you 
generate a very small income that's paid to you in cryptocurrency. So Michelle gets to the point where she is ready to put down her money. I'm very excited because, you know, sustainable energy and blockchain and all of these things that I'm interested in and excited about are coming together and I'm going to do it. And then I get to the point where I'm almost buying the tokens. And then it asks me if I'm an accredited investor. So an accredited investor, at least in the United States, means that you're worth at least a million dollars and you've made $200,000 annually for the last two years. That does not describe Michelle, obviously. And I was like, oh, oh, uh, huh. But it's not like Michelle doesn't get why there are rules about who can invest and who can't. Like, the whole point of that whole accredited investor thing was to keep people from getting into trouble or being bamboozled. And that the idea being that someone who has a lot of money can afford to lose a bit of money. But it also means that people that don't have a lot of money have a harder time investing and making money. And that's disappointing and frustrating and infuriating. Yeah, Michelle is super irked because... Just because she doesn't have big money, she can't join this experiment? She's not allowed to put in her two cents, or two tacos in this case, so that she can help get a promising project off the ground? I can't, because I'm not a dude with a Lambo. My net financial worth isn't enough to go without tacos for a couple of weeks and try to help people in areas that are underserved by utilities to power the lights and the fans in their school. How can anybody who isn't an extremely well-off software engineer be a part of this? It's really disheartening. So, like, I don't know, you guys. Maybe I'll just have tacos. Or maybe I'll be like, yeah, I'm totally an accredited investor because anybody who prosecutes people who say they're accredited investors without being accredited investors has more important things to do than, you know, harass some taco-loving chick who spent $10. That's my hope, anyway. Oh, Michelle... Your experience and your reaction is so indicative of what the state of Silicon Valley is right now. All the power that is consolidated in big tech companies and why they are motivated to report to shareholders rather than us users, as we are referred to. My worry is that we will just see that scammy projects that take advantage of people and that made it necessary for laws about being accredited investors in the first place that they ruin the very possibility of these tokenized economies. That's the future. That is what we have to keep watch for. By the way, if you haven't heard our episode about tokens and token-curated registries and economies and blockchain, do go back to Season 1, Episode 6. And thank you for writing in, Michelle. You rock. I think it is so cool that you're psyched to experiment with new tech and keep learning about this stuff. Go have a taco, for goodness sake. 
you definitely deserve it. Okay, our second voice memo now. Something completely different. Elizabeth. Elizabeth answered the call when I recently asked the question, what is stressing you out about work right now, about your business? Quick warning, Elizabeth gets a little existential. Just how I like it. What stresses me out the most in my business and entrepreneurship is my intense fear of death. But seriously, it's this fear that if I don't create every single idea I have in my head right now at this very moment, then they'll all die and I won't come up with any more ideas and I'll die and I won't leave anything behind. It's this idea that there are these waves that come that you have to ride and I have it in my head that when I see a wave and I have an idea that could write it, if I don't make it a reality in that very moment, which isn't always plausible, sometimes you're not ready for whatever reason to make your idea a reality. If I don't do it in that very moment, if I don't ride that wave, that opportunity that I have, the door will shut and another door will never open for me. I'll never think of another good idea, which logically I know is ridiculous, but emotionally, that's how I feel. Oh, Elizabeth, I know exactly what you were talking about. In my case, it's invitations. It's like my calendar is so jam-packed full of cool events and dinners that I am so excited to be invited to and, and want to hear from the people who are speaking at these things because in the back of my mind, I keep wondering, like, what if no one this interesting ever invites me to anything ever again? What if people stop wanting to hear what I have to say? I need to gobble up all these opportunities right now. And Elizabeth, let's just call it what it is. It is FOMO, fear of missing out, pure and simple. And it is real. But a couple thoughts here. It sounds like you've got a lot going on right now. So why not take those ideas or opportunities, write them down, store them away like little acorns for the winter. This is advice for myself too, by the way. Also, a reminder that JOMO, joy of missing out, is really worth trying. Getting cozy at home with a book, letting your brain sort of work out more ideas, maybe even get to somewhere better. Because chances are some of those thoughts or waves that you describe aren't ready to be rode or ridden. They need time to swell and crest and they are not worth your energy just yet. So, acorns and waves, my surfing squirrel, pace yourself. This is a reminder to all of us. And yes, Jen, to me. Okay, yes, I know. Thanks to all of you again who have written in. And, you know, this episode kind of ended up being a smorgasbord or some would say a random potluck Thanksgiving feast. But I hope that you found at least parts of it very delicious. Next week, it's pretty exciting. Two female entrepreneurs that Jen and I deeply admire. I said something kind of wild one time. I said, your offer would have to go up by seven. 
if you could times that by seven, we can continue to have this conversation. I mean, there are just times where we'll be approached by people who have ideas for what we should do with our business. And they sometimes approach us. We joke that they approach us like we're a couple of girls who like fell off a pickup truck out couple here. Storm <laughs> girls. Yeah. And like, we're we good at telling value. stories. Yeah. And like, but, but that we have no concept of what our, you know, our sort of intellectual property is worth or our time or our mm-hmm. expertise is worth. The duo behind the mega podcast Criminal, how they grew their show and their business. Great advice for all of us trying to balance creativity with bill paying. It's awesome, right? I'm so psyched they're going to be here. All right. Also, I've got some news I want to mention. We're partnering with our friends over at Mozilla. I am hosting season four of their podcast, IRL. Go find it at IRLpodcast.org. Coming soon are episodes about the trouble with passwords, online shopping, and other maddening digital issues. It's good stuff. Definitely worth listening to for more investigations into tech and ethics. Some of my favorite topics. Hopefully some of yours. Okay, back to ZigZag. This episode was produced by me, Jen Poyant, and Thalia Beatty. David Herman was our audio engineer and composer. Many thanks to our other engineers, Dan DeZula and Karen Kay. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and thank you so much for listening. See you next week. So, Jen, the way I described the waves was that they needed time to swell and crest. But actually, was that correct? Like surfer sort of talk? Kind of. Sometimes. But sometimes you're sitting in the lineup and you think a wave is going to come and you think it's perfect. And then you realize it's not the right wave. So you have to just let it pass. And then every once in a while, you let it pass and then a perfect wave comes right at you afterward. Timing matters. Mm-hmm. Patience.